Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoy this message. Every Nation campus is an emphasis for us, not only Grace Covenant Church, but our global family in 80 nations. We actually establish churches and campus ministries all over the world. And so we're on many campuses in D.C. If you're a student, we want to know you, help you get connected. And so, great moment. Our emphasis today is a campus. Um, I want to start someplace before that, though. A week ago today, I was traveling with University of Maryland men's basketball team. I serve as the character coach. Uh, we actually won our game against Indiana, and it was, uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. Post-game, we're in the locker room. We're celebrating, and uh, it's really good because it's the first time I think that we beat Indiana in quite some time some time, especially uh, with being away. But as we celebrate in the locker room, news came to us about nine people who died in a helicopter crash. And of course, the young men that I get to uh, coach um, have grown up playing this game and look up to a number of of people. And I want you to know something. Uh, All nine lives are significant. All nine. So I won't mention the names of any because I don't know them all. But what I do know is that when someone dies, it impacts other people's lives. And this is an opportunity for us, even as I had a moment to pray with some of our players, talk with some of them, for you to begin to be sensitive to people who have been impacted by the loss of anyone. In our church, people have miscarriages. We have a woman whose husband died last year. Uh, There's a world report from March 2018 that says on average 7,452 people in America die every day. That's an average of 12 seconds. Every 12 seconds, someone dies. You don't always hear about it, but it's significant. And so we need to pray with and for one another. Amen? So I want you to say that. And as already been mentioned, uh, it is the first Sunday in February, but it is the last Sunday that we will meet at the Western Hotel. Come on. We've been meeting in this hotel for two years, but we've never had our own place for 20. And next Sunday, February 9th, we will meet for the first time in our own home. Come on. We'll be there next week, Sunday at 9 and 11. And you know, for 20 years, meeting from place to place, hotels, elementary schools, Y, every other place you can imagine, um, there have been things that have been provided for us. And it's a new season. It's not just a new building. You can sense the acceleration of God growing us up and causing us to grow in our influence in the community and the city he's called us to serve. And you know, when the children of Israel, after 40 years of wandering, uh, 40 years of God just putting their food out on the ground in the morning, manna and quail. The day they moved into the land he promised, there was no more quail, there was no more manna. They actually had to sow and reap. So we're going to have to clean our own facilities now. We have to bring our own paper towels, all that stuff. But I am so glad. And if you're grateful, give God praise. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Holy Spirit, help us this morning. Amen. There's a verse found in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. And I want to look at Daniel in the context of the college campus. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But Daniel determined that he would not defile himself 
by eating the king's food or drinking his wine. So he asked the head of the palace staff to exempt him from the royal diet. The head of the palace staff, by God's grace, liked Daniel. Amen. You may not know much about Daniel, but I think you can identify with him. Sometime around 605 B.C., Daniel was growing up in a place that was defeated by another nation, Babylon. This great king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, defeated his homeland, and many of them were killed, and some were carried off. Daniel was among those who were carried off, and he was a youth. Don't know his exact age. He could have been somewhere between 14, 17. He was probably college age. And when he got to this place, he was now away from home. And one of the things that happens when you go to a college campus, most of us, even if you stay at home, but if you live on campus, you are away. Anybody been away? And it's interesting, Daniel was carried away, and although Daniel's life is not reflective of the college campus, I do at least want to connect one thing. There's something that can happen when you go to the college campus, and that is you also can get carried away, even though you may have chosen to be there. The difference is Daniel didn't choose to be there. But he was away. You know what it's like when you go away? When you're away from family, away from parents' protection, away from the sounds of sibling, away from your favorite things and your familiar places. When you get to that place and you're away, you can easily feel alone. And that's where you got to figure out, how am I going to do this? Now, most of our kids have traveled abroad. Some of them have studied abroad. And I'll tell you one story that happened. Uh, one of our students, no names, one of our students was studying abroad. In preparation for it, we had to go to the university uh, here in the States, and there was a meeting with the parents and the students who were going to be going abroad. And after lunch, we were there half a day. After lunch, they had a breakout. Parents on one end, uh, students were in another room. And here's what they told my wife and I with all the other parents. Parents, your student is going to have a moment. They're going to have a moment when they're away and they're not going to want to be away. They're going to want to come home. Parents, look at me. I need you to be strong in that moment, and I need you to tell your student, you're okay. Stay there. It's going to be good. And so that moment actually came for our student. We were at home, my wife and I, laptop open, FaceTiming our student. They had arrived, and they told us about their first night, and it was different because you're not sleeping in your own bed. You're not eating a home-cooked meal. You're around people that are internationals and strangers, and, and you're not sleeping in your own bed. And so it's like, and home is a plane ride away, a long plane, plane ride away. And so we're on the FaceTime uh, moment, and uh, our students is beginning to say how they feel. And, this, and I realized this is that moment they told us about. And so my wife is ready to, to tell our student, come home. And we're looking at it, and I'm kind of tapping her. And so she's looking at the FaceTime with me. She kind of just steps away from the screen. She walks around on the other side of the table, and she's looking at me, you bring my student home. You get, uh, and she's pulling out, a, you know, she's trying to go online, find flights. And I'm kind of like, so the student goes, where's mom? Mom's good. She's okay. You're good. So I'm trying to help both the student and mom. <laughs> Will you stop it? What's her, no, she's, she's about to, you're good, you're good. And you're going to be fine. You're going to be great. You were made for this. You're strong. 
after we close the face, uh, FaceTime, my wife said, we should go there for our anniversary. You know, it'd be a good play. Like, I bet you do want to go there for our anniversary. So we went there for our anniversary. But when we got there, our student was so strong. We got off the plane. Come with me. You're in my city. We're going here. We're going to do this. My wife's like, man, she grew up because she had to learn how to stand while she was away. And so I know what it's like to be a student when you're away, away from home. And here's what happens. What happens to you is what happens to Daniel. He's away from what's familiar. He's away from his family. And when you're away and you don't know who you are, you tend to stray. And how do you stray? It starts with an offer. Here's Daniel. He's young, and he's got three friends that he's met on his campus, so to speak. They're with him. They're from his homeland. He found people who were from around the way. Sometimes you go to camp like, you from New York? Me too. Bet. Let's hang. <laughs> Daniel's with three other friends, and they got really close. I think they knew each other before they got there, in fact. But here's the moment where Daniel was young. His friends, they were young. They were handsome. They were intelligent sharp. And the king of Babylon said, I want you to get some of those youths who we've taken captive, and I want you to employ them in service to me. So what that meant was you were going to train for three years. It's like graduate level training. He had to learn the language and the literature of Babylon. He had to become fluent in the language. He had to study all the arts, everything. He had to know the history. He became so familiar with the culture. And what they do is they change your name. They change your clothes. They cut off your sense of lineage so they don't mention your, the names of your parents. It doesn't get recorded. And the whole idea is that you get indoctrinated into the culture so you lose sight of the one that you came from. And I think about students who grew up in Christian homes, and when they step onto a college campus, they lose sight of the home they grew up in. All of a sudden, your, chain, your clothes change, your name change. Daniel was called Belteshazzar, and Bel is the beginning of the name of the God of Babylon. And so it's like, forget the God you came from. This is now your God. And how many college students sitting here know? You know what it's like when you step on campus, and they start offering you things. Daniel was offered the best food, the best wine, the best everything. And everybody who gets on the campus wants the best, but there are few who determine, I don't want the best. I want to give my best for God. Daniel was one of those. The Bible says he made up his mind. He said, I will not defile myself by taking the offer. Man, you get on that college campus and you get offers. Offers to Netflix and chill. Older folks just look at a younger person and say, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> Best uh, to be uh, friends with benefits. All the offers that come to you your freshman year. And because you don't know your identity and it wasn't solid, and you start to become what everybody calls you. You're a player, yo. You know what? I think I am a player. So then you become one. And that's not who you are. But you've allowed the culture to rename you and to repurpose you. And you're missing out on why you're there. Daniel got to the point where he said, I have made up my mind. I resolve that I will not defile myself. He and his friends demonstrated that you can live godly in an ungodly culture, that you don't have to conform to it. You can actually be the one who helps transform it. It's really powerful. What's causing you to stray on the campus? What's going to bring you back home? See, I think there was something in Daniel that just began to say, There's nothing that my heart wants more than you. 
When that sound starts coming out you, you walk on the campus and you become a different person. You start grabbing people. Yo, you want to go out? Yeah, come with me. And you start bringing them to all the things that you're plugged into and you watch their life transform. There's nothing like it. There's another verse I want you to look at because a lot of times you get on campus and you try to say no to this and you try to say no to that and you try to say no to this and it doesn't work. How many been on the campus you tried to say no, it didn't work? My freshman year, I didn't say no to anything. And it ended really quickly. Dismissed academically with a .45 grade point average. It's real hard to do, real hard to do. It's real hard to do. You have to make every party and miss every class. It's hard to do. I was worn out from all the parties that I went to. I started to stray. Wasn't the way I was raised, but I let people change my mind, change my name, change everything about me because I accepted the offers. Here's this verse, and Daniel, and Daniel knew this. He may not have known this verse, but I, you need to know it. It's uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. God is always on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him. Isn't that amazing? God is on the alert, constantly on the lookout for people who are totally committed to him. And another translation, it says this. It says that the eyes of God roam to and from, insert, the campus. Eyes of God go to and fro across Howard. The eyes of God right now are going to and fro across University of Maryland. Eyes of God going to and fro across George Washington, Georgetown. Thousands, tens of thousands of students all over D.C., all over the Washington metropolitan area, all over our nation, even international. God is actually on the campus looking for students whose hearts are completely his. And when he finds a young man, when he finds a young woman, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, doesn't matter. When he finds someone who says, my heart. Once you, he says, on your behalf, I will show myself strong. And so Daniel and his friends said, God, we are totally committed to you. And the moment you begin to be away, and even though there's an offer to stray, once you accept the better offer to say, God, I want you, God says, I have benefits that this campus can't give you. All of a sudden, you learn how to stand in the culture, and the culture doesn't change you. You start changing it. It's time for university students to actually say, no, yes. no, I'm going to stand right here for God. Yes. And once you stand up, God stands with you and says, watch what I do. And you'll find all those directionless, lost people who are just talking just like you are, Seeing something authentic and genuine and real coming out your life with like, hey, 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 how you get like that? You need to come to my small group on campus Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. Our campus missionary is breaking off the word and all of a sudden we're getting strong out here. Or you need to come over here and do this. You need to come over here. You start getting plugged in because once you start drinking, see, see, Daniel didn't judge the king's table. He just said, that's not the table I eat from. That's the table I stand and serve. But the table I eat from, that's Every Nation Campus with all these other students who are firing. Because you can't do this alone. You've got to find the other like-minded students who are on fire for God. And when you guys look at you, you walk on campus, you become a force. You see through all the fakeness because you were fake. So you can recognize it. Game recognize game. You see every big man who's like, yeah, I'm the big man on campus. Lamb, champ, you're not. You're not. Not really. I love walking on campus and seeing young, immature people just kind of, you know, hit you with their vocabulary, and, and you see through it all the security, like, baby, you are so lost. 
you're away from home. You probably had, you need to come to my house. You probably had a home-cooked meal. I am upset. Thank you for talking to me. My money didn't come through. I, I don't know if I'm going to have enough. Don't tell them I'm crying. Hey, how you doing, girl? You know, it just, y'all need to just come on home and stop faking. Don't fake for four years because then you get in a routine and you practice it once you graduate. But if you get real with God in college, when you graduate, you're going to be real after. Anybody hear what I'm saying? I was fake my freshman year. Walking around like I was a big man on campus. They kicked my big man of campus off. <laughs> kicked me off the campus. Lost my scholarship. And where were all my friends then who said I was so cool and I was so that like, oh, what happened to you? Oh, my bad. So sorry. Anyway, hope you make it back. Leave you. <laughs> so that's friendship. Right? God said, we're going to do a do-over with you. This time, you're going to walk with me on campus. 3.9 GPA. It's amazing what happens when you actually worship God, go to church, and stop doing all this stuff. It's like, hey, oh, this, this does work to live this way. You're not tired in the morning if you didn't leave the party at two the night before. Turn off Netflix. You actually do have time to study. Wow, amazing. All the time you have to study. You can set your own schedule. Students looked at me like, come on, man, I hurt stepping on my foot. <laughs> you can actually get up and come worship on Sunday. You know? This is how we're supposed to live. You don't have to just get caught up in the culture and go with the flow. But you need God to stand against it. You see, the reason why Daniel didn't stray wasn't just because he said, I'm going to say no to this and I'm going to say no to that. Saying no without saying yes to God does not work. Because saying no is just you using your own strength. But when you say yes to God, he gives you strength. And now his strength becomes the yes that you have that says no to everything else. I was a Christian as a freshman, but I didn't live like one. I believed in God, but I wasn't following him. You can't follow God like Facebook. Friend him and then unfriend him. Help me, Lord, on this exam. Okay, I'll see you after the party, Jesus. You wait outside. I'll be back. It, he, he doesn't roll like that. He's like, you're with me or you're not asking them for help on an exam, but then you want to go, I'm just letting all the phrases pass through my mind because they don't need to be said here. So this is what happens. Here's what it says, the last verse I want to read to you about Daniel and his friends after their training. Uh, it's Daniel 1, 19, 20. And the king conversed with them, and among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding concerning which the king asked them, he found them ten times better than all the learned magicians and enchanters who were in his whole realm. There's another version I want to read to you. So you can take that one off the screen. This one is closer to our, our tongue. And the king conversed with them. And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they were assigned to stand. Stand. We're praying for a generation that can stand. These young men, and may I include young women, had the ability to stand before influential people and in places of influence, places of power, because of their relationship with God. 
And it says, and in all the matters of wisdom, you know, he found 10 times better, right? Than everybody who was in the realm. And it, this is what it says. He was able to speak to them about matters of life and also matters related to governing his realm. When you on the college campus say, Lord, there's nothing that my heart wants more than you. He will show himself strong on your behalf and you will find yourself becoming a leader because it's impossible to have God to be inside you and you remain passive or you remain weak or you remain shy or you remain anything else. He empowers you to live life his way. And so what I love is we're praying for a generation is our university campus are filled with students who are hurting, who need people in their lives, but who need God more than anything else. But sometimes they don't know how to find them. And so we're saying, at least through these campus missionaries and others and students and you in this church, let's begin to pray for our campuses. Let's begin to pray for students because God has purpose on their life and the enemy wants to divert what that is. But the moment they meet somebody who has God on inside of them, there's hope for them to turn and become everything God wants them to be. Amen? Just close with this and we're going to pray. I got kicked out of school. I told you that. Literally lost a full tuition scholarship. CJ, come on up. <laughs> lost a two, full tuition uh, scholarship. I was told I would never set foot on that campus again. The first in my family to even go to college. How do you, how do you throw away how do you throw away an academic scholarship, Donnell? How do you just do that? I was raised in a Christian home. They say the window, there's the 1040 window, which is for reaching nations, but there's another window called the 414 window, and it's the ages that they say between 4 and 14 that children are most receptive and open to God. So we need to get them before they get to the college campus so that when they get to the college campus, they're, they're, they are not conforming to it. They're transforming it. Instead of being influenced by the culture, they're influencing the culture. I don't want to just win freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. We're going to keep doing that. But I'd like to send someone as a freshman like, all right, God, I'm here. How do you want me to serve me? What's going on, on this campus that I need to be a part of to help shape? Reaching the Greeks, reaching the freshmen, reaching the international students, creating places on the campus where students go and go, this is refuge. It's a safe place. Some of them come from homes where they actually being away from them feels really good. But that's what we want to have. And in my freshman year, I was so lost and nobody knew it, including me. But I, I, when I got kicked off, I got connected with what's called Every Nation Campus. I began to walk with young men and women, 19 years old, learning how to do what I thought I'd been doing for 17 years. My mom did her level best. She did a great job. But that campus was overwhelming for me at AU. It was a party every single week. And if it wasn't, I went to Georgetown. <laughs> I know DC. But you know what happened? Nobody was there when I got kicked off and I was weeping. Nobody knew how I got in bed and just started watching cartoons and eating Hostess chocolate cupcakes because I was so the lowest point in my life. And I was like, how do you ruin your life and you're like 19 years old, dude? What is wrong with you? And so the voice of condemnation just, that's the only lyrics I listened to. And it took God and a friend he sent whose phone calls I wouldn't return to walk into my house. My mom let him in. I was mad about that. He stood over my bedside and said, what are you doing? Dude, get up. 
He got me so mad I had to get up. And then God just walked me back home, surrendering my life to him. I thought I'd never go back to college, and I was in this church. We were in D.C., meet on Capitol Hill, and I was running with my boy Rob, Rob Hawley. We went to high school together. We both went to AU. He went there first. I went to Howard. We don't have time. I've been to Howard, UDC, America. I've forgotten all the schools I've gone to. But I was out running with him one morning, and literally, I don't know what God's voice sounded like, not at that time, but we were praying at the end of our run, and, he, and I laughed. You're like, why are you laughing? I said, man, God just told me a joke. You're like, what's the joke? He told me to go back to American University. Yeah, that's a joke. <laughs> 0.45, that's a big-time joke. God walked me back on campus. He restored my scholarship. I got on the conduct council. I got kicked out by the conduct council. I went back, became a justice major, and now I'm serving on the conduct council. Where are the Daniels in this room? Where are the Esthers in this room? Where are the Josephs in this room? I don't care what your past is. I'm only concerned about, are you going to step into your future? I'm looking at students here. You wearing your gear. There's a call on your life. There's a purpose. It's not just to make money. Making money will never be enough for you. Ask the man who has the most. It's not enough. You will never be satisfied until you find your people and you find your purpose and you walk with them and you experience fulfillment because I'm doing the thing I was born for. Why am I here this morning? I'm doing the thing I was born for. You will not leave this planet satisfied unless you figure out the thing you were born for. And it's not just a major in college. That's only part of it. But once you know what you were born for, game on. And you cannot win this race by yourself. You have to link up. You need CJ. Everybody needs a CJ. Chidiaku. Chidiaku from Nigeria. You need to have a CJ in your life. Because if I'm like this on the campus, walk with me. When we, we there's, there's guys in this church who I've known since they were many years ago. Walking, this is what your friends do for you when they're in God and you're in God. Two guys were walking down a hallway dorm and one guy stopped to knock on this girl's door. That's you. <laughs> that ain't me. It ain't me. I'm not the one. True story. The other friend kept walking and without looking back, he said, ain't nothing behind that door for you. And then he turned and caught up with his friend. The girl opened the door. They didn't look back. They kept walking. What is it that you need to keep walking and stop looking back at? Because if you go in the wrong door, the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong... proverb says, don't be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Because then you become the wrong person. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovedc.org.